Greetings and welcome to the Antithesis of Superwoman. I'm your host, recovering people pleaser and ASW empowerment coach, Von Fuller. And I am so excited that you're here with me as we progress on this journey of living our best lives without the cape. So y'all know that we did 12 lessons in 12 years, part one. What was that last week or the week before last week? (laughs) So we are back with part two to give you the remaining six lessons that we learned. Okay. (laughs) And I know you already hear my boo. So my husband will be joining me to help offer some insight and reflection on the remaining six lessons. All right, let's get into it. Again, welcome. Before we dive into today's topic, as always, I want to address a few things. So here are three important details for you. One, I am not a licensed therapist. I am solely a person who's passionate about encouraging people to live their best lives. Two, I'm a Christian and while I will share personal experiences that are going to involve my beliefs, I'm not going to force my beliefs on you on this podcast. And three, I identify as a woman, hence the podcast name. And I'm surrounded by a lot of women. So a lot of my examples will be a women. However, men, please know I am fully aware that we got supermen out there as well. But if you feel like the weight of the world is on your shoulders, but feel like you can't express it because you have to maintain a strong and unshakable image, then you are in the right place because this is a podcast for you. And if you enjoy hearing encouraging tips and tools to go from overwhelmed to overjoyed, Enjoy the encouragement fam. Remember to click subscribe, like, rate, review, and share with your friends. Okay, so now that we've got all the logistics out the way, let's jump into 12 lessons in 12 years part two with my boo. Hey boo. Hello. (laughs) Okay, so you want to just jump into the six? Might as well. All right. Number six. Uh, we should probably just say what one through five was. Oh, uh, uh, yeah, good recap. Okay, so quick recap. We're going to say what one through five was. Do you remember the first one? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be the same for all of them. Yeah, I'm not going to ask you anymore. <laughs> Appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so number one is communication is key. Sounds good. Number two is vulnerability is a necessity. Also sounds Number three, honesty is everything. Everything. Number four, take time to work on the friendship part of your relationship. Yes. Number five, you cannot pour from an empty cup. You can't. Hallelujah, hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so number six, you can't love anyone else if you don't know how to love yourself first. Yes. And notice I didn't say if you don't love yourself first. It's if you don't know how to love yourself first. I feel like there's a difference that people don't really talk about. Yeah. I feel like um, loving yourself is just that, like having love for yourself. Like being appreciative, not feeling like you don't matter, things of that nature. Whereas knowing how to love yourself would be Knowing the things that you need, knowing the things you appreciate, knowing your own love language, you know, things like that. I think as we grow and develop, those are things that we know inherently. So you have to, you know, give yourself time to get acclimated with yourself. Right. And a lot of times in relationships, I think we expect the other person to know how to love us yeah. without us actually clarifying how to love us. That's... You're supposed to just know. Yeah. And how can somebody else know if we don't know? If we don't know how to love ourselves, 
how is somebody else going to know how to love us? And if you had to learn how to love yourself, how can you expect somebody else to just know off the, off the bat? Right. But I think that goes back to why communication is key because you have to you have to verbalize those things, you know? Mm-hmm. You better go ahead and bring it back to number one. <laughs> 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 yeah, so it's, it's so important because I don't think that we really take the time to think about that. Like, how do we best feel loved? Mm. Yeah, and take into consideration that that could change over time. Right. The love language you had in year one might not be the love language you have in year seven. Right. So that not only takes a constant, the constant work of getting to know yourself and continuing to take that into practice, but that also means constant communication with your spouse on the things that you need and the things Mm -hmm. that you want. And it's also true that it could be the same thing, but just look different. Yeah. So for instance, with me, I, I'm a February baby, and so I live in my head a lot, and I daydream a lot and all that stuff. I like my alone time. I was also pretty much raised as an only kid. From my mom, I'm used to having my alone time. And so when you are married, you can still have that alone time a lot easier than you can when you have kids. Mm-hmm. And so when I was, when we were married pre-kids, I could just go in the closet and spend my time with myself, with God, journaling, doing whatever without any issues. Most of the time I did it, you were working, you know, and so I could do that. But with kids, I can't. Even if I'm off, I'm still on. Now what it looks like is me trying to step outside of the home to try to get some alone time or quiet time but it's still the same thing it just looks different does that make sense yeah i just remember when luke was first born and he used to hide in the bathroom what you mean you used to hide in the bathroom too you'd be gone for like Bruh. 45 Bruh. minutes Bruh. What, you, what you think you was gone for a hot 10 oh, 20 please. i just got a little refresh like no <laughs> You be gone for days. Whenever like, he when talks like that, whenever he talks like that, you know he's not telling the truth. Whenever mean? he does this whole like, oh, I was just gone with a little boot, just a little refresh. That's how you know it's not true. Does that even make sense? America? It absolutely makes sense. In our other listening countries, <laughs> thank you. It absolutely makes sense, and yes, thank you. So, no, you were gone just as long. No. You know what? Jesus know the truth. He sure do. He sure do when he know I'm telling the truth. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But yeah, you do need to know, like, kind of have your bag of tricks and tips on how to best treat yourself and love yourself and be there for yourself. It's good for you to have it for yourself, but it's also good to be able to communicate what that is to your spouse, your loved one, whoever, you know, even to your friends. Yeah, I mean, you really have to to maintain healthy relationships if you want to be fulfilled in those relationships. So, Absolutely. Okay, I think that was good. That's crazy. You can be with somebody that really loves you and cares about you, but because they don't know how to love you, like, it can still feel incomplete. Right. Like, the effort and intention can be there, but if you don't have the tools, you know. I'm trying to think, is there a situation where we had, or an example that we had where that was happening? I mean, I think it happens in little ways. Like, I, I'm i big on giving you, like, gifts, you know. But while you do like the gifts, like, if you came home and the home was completely spotless, I feel like you would react just as happily, if not more. Look, absolutely more, okay? So I think it ha I don't think it's like as stark as me just doing something that you completely don't mm-hmm. want, you know, or like just in a love language that you don't respond to at all. But um like this ain't Jeremiah. I feel like we do it in small ways. Yeah, I can see that. What's the way I've done it for you? Because I feel like we had the conversation, but I don't remember what it was about. Mm, I think it's maybe the same thing with gifts. 
Like, so sometimes I think because I'm hard to shop for because I don't really verbalize or want or need for anything. So you'll just be left out there going to get something random, you know? Hmm. So you have to buy off what you think I might like. and But, like, I could just want, like, if you just gave me time to go to the gym or time to write, like, that would be just as good as any gift, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think it's the same thing, really. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think that's good. Those are good examples. Thank you. Yeah, so, okay. I think we did good with number six. You ready to move on? Okay, number seven. Can you guess? Absolutely not. (laughs) Don't forget to have fun with one another. Yeah, that's important. I think that's so important. I think that's been one of our saving graces. No matter what or where we are or what we have, we can always have fun with one another. Right. We, I don't know, it's kind of weird for us. It was almost instant, right? Mm-hmm. And so it was just really easy to have fun. We felt like we were friends, like we have been friends for a long time. But yeah, having fun together is important. And I think that kind of ties into the whole friendship, mm-hmm. you know, because if you're having fun with somebody, it's way easier to build a friendship with that person. Yeah, have fun. Yeah, I feel like that also ties into knowing yourself and knowing you, knowing you guys as a couple, because... Especially how we live now where everybody's trying to emulate, you know, couple goals and things of that nature. What may be fun for one couple might not be fun for you. Like some people like to bowl. Some people like to stay home and watch movies. Some people play video games together. Some people love to work out together. So you just have to find that thing that you guys like to do and give yourself time to do it. Or, you know, have fun in searching for new things to do. But don't feel discouraged when something that works for one couple may not be working for you. And also remember, like, just like everything else is subject to change, right? And so what used to feel like fun now doesn't feel like fun, and that's okay. Mm -hmm. It's also good, or it's also good to know that your fun as a relationship, as a couple, like, may be something completely different from what you two individually feel like is fun. And so it's okay for you guys to have your individual fun activities or fun things you like to do that are separate from the marriage or the relationship. Agreed. Did you have anything else that you wanted to talk about on fun? No, just try to have it. Yeah, if you could have fun with each other no matter the circumstance, or no matter where you are, that's a pretty healthy relationship, in my opinion. Yeah, or at least the cornerstones of one. Right. Building blocks. Because that can take you forever. Like, we were actually just on the phone with your parents and your grandparents, and your grandparents were cracking each other up on the phone. Mm-hmm. And so they've been married, what, 50-some years? It's been a long time. Yeah. That's proof right there. It works. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you ready for number eight? Mm-hmm. Learn you and your spouse's love language. Yeah, that's something that we had to do. Mm-hmm. And you did not want to take that quiz. I didn't even know what a love language was. I and was, you did not want to take the quiz. <laughs> I was pretty stubborn early on in our relationship as far as, like, taking relationship advice mm-hmm. in any form so like taking a quiz or whatever like i really felt like other people couldn't tell us about our relationship yeah you were pretty critical too yeah i mean i still am critical you are still very critical i'm glad you acknowledge that it's just me but you know critical of myself probably more what was the thing love language how would you go about that babe what do you mean like, how would you go about finding your love language? What do you think is the best avenue? Should they take a, should you, like, Google a quiz? Should you read a book? Because I know they have books. I know they have, they probably have courses. Do you think there's a best way to do it? Or do you think just, like, dive into it? I don't think there's a best way to do it. So, I learned about it from the five love languages. 
and they do they have all that stuff they have a course they have a book they have you know their website Mm -hmm. shows you all the resources that they have they have classes and training and you know probably like counselors and all that type of stuff we took the free quiz because it was free 99 and (laughs) (laughs) but it gave us the information that we needed right and so I think whatever you feel works best for you, whatever you feel your relationship would benefit the most from, then go ahead and go for it. But, you know, however that looks like for you, I don't think there's any best way or more special way to do it. It's just whatever works for your relationship. For us, we chose the free 99 and it worked for us. And I also want to encourage people to take the quiz or at least reevaluate your love languages every so often, maybe annually, biannually, because they can change as your life changes. What you may need, you know, in one year, maybe you need quality time one year, but the next year you're going through something really rough and you really just need words of affirmation, you know? And so it's, it's going to change. We're going to change as people. And so be open to reevaluating and looking at those again and not saying, well, I did that once 10 years ago and this is what it is because that may not be what it is anymore. Be open to that. Yeah, for sure. Life has changed. Anything else on love languages? I mean, dudes always like to pick physical touch, physical touch mm-hmm. but you know, as we've discussed, physical touch is more than just the hanky pankies. So is that really your love language or Or your top love language? Yeah. Because it absolutely can be your love language, but maybe it's number two or three or four. Yeah. Whereas words of affirmation, feeding that ego is what really drives you, you know? Yeah. So it really depends and that's another thing. Your top three are probably going to just on a regular basis change in priority yeah yeah just be open to what the love languages are maybe we should say all of them it's acts of service gifts physical touch words of affirmation what's the fifth one quality time Ooh. <laughs> a plus <laughs> what are you Probably words of affirmation, quality time, and physical touch, probably. In that order? I don't know. I think the order changes from day to day. But when I think of the things that I would, the things that I like, mm-hmm. or I feel like maybe I need more, I feel like those are the ones. Like, acts of service, not so much, you know? Mm-hmm. I actually tend to do stuff a lot for myself. So I don't really, extra service wouldn't really do much for me. And it was other. That's how much I don't need it, I guess. Gifts? Yeah, I'm not big on gifts either. Mm, you like gifts. I like them, but if it was my birthday and you didn't give me a gift, like, I wouldn't, it wouldn't hurt, you know? Mm-hmm. But if you was like, I'm going to let you have the day, and then you was like, well... I let you have a quarter of the day. Like, I'd be really upset. Mm. Interesting, interesting. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so number, what are we on, eight now? I was already on nine. Number nine. I was right. <laughs> Learn your spouse's apology languages. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like this is really big. Obviously, ties into communication and all of that, but it, I mean, we often, so we talk about love language, and everyone knows about love languages. Nobody really talks about apology languages, but it's something that can impact communication in a relationship a lot, Mm -hmm. because if somebody doesn't apologize the way you like to be apologized to, it can either feel disingenuine, it can feel... What? I thought it was disingenuous. Oh. (laughs) My bad. (laughs) Uh, It can feel disingenuous. It can feel like 
you're unloved, you know, it can just feel just hurtful, really, you know, or like it's brushed off. Mm-hmm. So I think apology languages and knowing your loved one's apology language is extremely, extremely important. I agree. Do you know the apology languages? Absolutely. <laughs> Would you like me to say them for you? Yeah. Okay. So there's also five of these. Hmm. The first one is expressing regret. Mm-hmm. The second one is accepting responsibility. Mm-hmm. And it's making restitution, genuinely repenting, and requesting forgiveness. Hmm. So I have heard of it, but when I heard of it, it wasn't like apology languages. It was just how to apologize. All the steps were equal to one sincere apology. Like you Mm. have to do all of those. I like that. I think that's good. I agree with that, Mm -hmm. but I feel like most people only do parts. And there's probably one part that they do more of or that they're more comfortable with. Mm Mm-hmm. Does that match up with what the other person is more inclined to receive as an apology? Yeah. Or at least heartfelt. Yeah. I so mean, what do you think yours is? What do I think I need? What do you think you do most often? What's easiest for me, you mean? Mm-hmm. I'm okay with... Because I was going to say, first off, a lot of people can't even say they're sorry to even get to these five things. But I think I'm... Cool with saying I'm sorry. I think I'm good with expressing remorse. So would the saying I'm sorry be the genuinely repenting? Yeah, I guess it would be. Because when I think of genuinely repenting, I think of just sincerely saying I'm sorry as Mm -hmm. opposed to, you know, just saying it out of obligation. So Mm -hmm. I guess so. I think the thing I'm worst at is... I guess restitution, that's when you kind of put forth a plan on how you're not going to do that thing anymore, right? Yeah, or you fix what you broke. Yeah, I think I could be better at putting forth a plan to be better. Thankfully, when we've had instances where I've needed to apologize, most times the thing isn't broken, so I haven't had to fix stuff. But I think I'm okay with fixing what I messed up. I think my hardest thing is putting in a Because a lot of the times that I need to apologize, it's usually for something that is like a bad habit I have. And that habit has created an issue. Mm -hmm. So I think my worst thing is fixing because it's a habit. So I got to learn how to break that habit. Makes sense. What about you? I think what I do most is accept responsibility for my actions. Yeah. I think that's probably what I'm most comfortable doing and what I do the most. And so I do the other things too. I apologize genuinely. I ask for forgiveness. I try to make restitution. I don't think I ask for forgiveness. Well, some you got to work on, sir. But I think my biggest thing and something I'm most comfortable doing is accepting responsibility for my actions. Because accountability is really big for me and taking responsibility and ownership for positive and negative. Those things are like really big to me. And so if they're big to me externally, you know, from others, then it needs to be big internally too, or it is big internally. And so I'm really, I guess I'm just really passionate about responsibility. That's one of the things I think I'm most comfortable doing and probably do the quickest what you thinking about over there looking all pensive? No, I'm just thinking about apology. Just the way that people tend to apologize, you know? A lot of times it's like, I'm sorry you took what I said that way, or I'm sorry what I said offended you, but that's not That really ain't it. no apology. Yeah, that's just trying to sound like you apologized. That's true. What that's really doing is throwing shade at the other person and making it seem like they being too sensitive. Yeah, is that gaslighting? Yeah. Hmm. That's not an apology at all. But that's like the number one apology. That's not an apology <laughs> at all. There's nothing about that that's an apology. I mean. Because you don't take ownership for anything. 
your sorry isn't heartfelt because it's I'm sorry you so you're throwing it back on the other person in no way shape or form is that an apology so I hope none of my listeners do that y'all don't do that fam yeah it sounds really political yeah it sounds legalistic yeah like I'm not admitting fault but I will kind of sort of give you the thing that you want but I didn't do it and I guarantee you most of the people who say that are not lawyers and if you are lawyers don't do that in your relationship. You probably shouldn't bring that job into your relationship, period. I guess you should. It works really for bring some people, jobs. though. Maybe. Well, I'm not a lawyer, so take what I say with a grain of salt because I don't know that much about lawyering. So it could be great in your relationship. <laughs> I think it's just law. <laughs> <laughs> lawyering. Yeah, that's what lawyers do. <laughs> they lawyer. Oh, gosh. They practice law. I mean, that's just a long way to say lawyering, but sure, go for it. It's actually a one less syllable. But it's two words. But it's one less syllable, though. Man, that don't make no sense. <sighs> anyway. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait. It's not one less syllable. It's the same number. Mm, just proving my point. I'm not proving your point. You it's just, just the same number. <laughs> but see, this is exactly a perfect example. I'm owning up to the fact that I was actually wrong in that and sharing that new information because I could have just let it slide. Y'all would have known, but he wouldn't have known. Yeah, he can't count <laughs> syllables. <laughs> oh, I mean, my haikus are trash. Oh, gosh. Is there anything else that you wanted to talk about? Oh, well, we didn't talk about how you best receive apologies. What do you think the best way to receive an apology is? I mean, you got to I'm saying be... what you typically do. Like how, what type of apology are you looking for? I think personally, I'm just looking for whoever has done the thing too. Because I never knew about the uh, like most of the five. So when I would mm-hmm. get apologies, it would usually be like one of the five. Most likely mm-hmm. someone's attempt at just being sincere. So for me, it's always been like, well, if you can be sincere... Because that's really hard to get, you know. So for me, it's usually been, well, if you can just be sincere, then that's good. But I I think all that stuff is important. But I think the most important part is the sincerity. Hmm. Because you can put in a plan and do all the other stuff. But if you sound sarcastic while you're doing it, you know, not going to fly, at least in my opinion. Okay. And I don't know. I think you both have to be... Yeah, you just got to be ready to either do the action and receive it, you know? Because sometimes you could be ready to apologize to me, but I could be in my feelings about whatever happened. So even though you're sincerely apologizing, it still might not work because I'm still upset. So it's okay to take time to feel through however you're feeling, and then, you know, you guys come back together. But give your spouse that communication that you're not there yet but you need some time you know i get it sincerity is important but i still need i need more than just sincerity i need people to own up to what they did that includes saying what you did i need you to verbally say i did this and this or i'm sorry for doing this this and this and then i need a change in behavior Because as sincere as you sounded, if you continue to do the same thing, that sincerity was insincere. It was a joke and you didn't really mean it. Because if you really meant it, you would put forth more effort into changing your behavior. And I know it's not like, oh, snap of a finger, I can change and be better. But you can tell when somebody's really really putting forth effort into doing something, Versus when they gave you this really bad in my eyes, sincere apology for you to get off their back so they can get back into how they were just doing life. But that might not necessarily be a change in behavior. That might just be uh, the continued work and trying to change the behavior. Hmm. Because you said you need the behavior to change, right? Mm-hmm. But if they're not at the spot where they can change like like quickly as you were saying 
but if you see that they're putting the work in, that's still sincerity. They're just not at the point where they can change whatever the issue is. Yes. I'm cool with works in progress because we're all works in progress, but the work has to be there. Yeah. And a lot of times people get real good at sounding real genuine with apologies, maybe even get a little thug tear or two to come out and then go right back to their normal because now they got you where they want you, which is not nagging them anymore. Who are you talking about right now? <laughs> that sounds oddly specific. It's hypothetical. Okay. I'm just saying, that's what people do. Like, people be like, yeah, I'm sorry. And then keep doing like they, or they do their baby, baby, please, I'm sorry. That just sounded really pointed. Like, And, <laughs> and then it'd be June 15th. <laughs> 2012 and you still ain't got the thing they said they was gonna give you after they shed a tear first of all somebody still owe me $200 but that's a whole nother conversation it ain't you I know it ain't you <laughs> <laughs> that would be the shock of the podcast <laughs> revelations will be had like a Mori episode oh gosh okay but anywho <laughs> The envelope revealed you do owe $200. (laughs) I couldn't keep that one in. Oh, Oh, goodness. Okay. You ready? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Number 10 is like fingerprints. Everybody's relationship is unique. Yeah. And so this goes into what you said earlier about, you know, everybody trying to compare to compare their relationship to relationships they see online, on TV, and or even just their friends or family or maybe their parents. Like, mm-hmm. stop all that. Just stop it. It's not healthy. Mm-hmm. It's important for you in your relationship to build the relationship that's best for you. Yeah, relationships are one for one. You're a complete individual that's unlike anybody else on this earth. Your spouse or, you know, partner is a completely unique individual that's unlike anybody on this earth. So your relationship is going to be completely unique and unlike any other relationship on this earth. So you got to take that into account and also take into account that any relationship you see whether it's on TV, whether it's on Instagram, whether it's your parents, your grandparents, your best friends, you're not with those people 24-7 in every facet of their lives. So what they show you is not the whole relationship. Right. And that's not to say that everybody's hiding some big, ugly thing, but that is to say that what you think you see is not the whole picture. So you may peel back the rest of the picture, and and that might not be the relationship you want to have. Facts. You know, that's the big downfall of like these Instagram relationships is they out there bow wowing, going on private jets. And then why you do bow wow like that? Bow wow did it to himself. <laughs> you shad out of this. Ain't that his name? Shad. Yeah, Shad Moss. I mean, he's a good guy. But, and he's not the only one to do it, but you know what I'm saying. I mean, that's an industry thing. Yeah. So it's like you falsifying your facts and then but people think that that's how you're supposed to live or like your life doesn't have meaning or your relationship doesn't isn't what it should be but most people ain't living like they say they live in yeah and even if it's not the fact that they're putting on a front like you said they're just not showing everything Mm -hmm. you know on Facebook or Instagram or whatever you see the best they're not gonna post pictures or post videos of them arguing or post, you know, pictures of them looking a hot mess. You know, like that's just not what it's gonna be. So know that and build what you want to build, what you think is best for you and your spouse, what you think is gonna be most fulfilling for the both of you. Go that route. There's nothing wrong with being inspired by other people, but mm-hmm. don't try to compare and become what those couples are yeah and it's nothing wrong with those couples keeping some parts of their relationship for themselves you oh, know? Yeah. 
just because you not seeing the whole picture, like I said, doesn't mean that that's necessarily a negative thing. It's good to have something that's just for y'all. But on the flip side, don't assume that the relationship on all sides is like the picture you see. The back may be completely different from the front. I agree. I think that it's important in a relationship, I believe, to keep some things private because it's personal, right? And so maybe just because I'm a private person, but when those things are personal to you, you tend to keep them private, which is okay. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But also don't act like people's stuff don't stink either. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. So like for us, we're private, Mm -hmm. but we also don't act like everything is perfect and we're all perfect. We just ourselves. Yeah, I think um, there's one thing to be private, and there's another thing to... Put on a front? Yeah, put on a front. I was mm-hmm. trying to find a smoother way to say lie, but yeah, put on a front. Because I think that's an issue with uh, modeling after certain relationships. It's one thing for you to not see the whole picture, but it's another thing for them to... Like, for example, you see a couple and you're like... You guys been together 20 years, 25, 30 years, however long. How did you guys do it? And then they don't tell you, like, the rough spots. Mm-hmm. As opposed to you seeing them on Instagram and not seeing the rough spots. Like, that's completely different. I think that's what causes a lot of issues, like, even, like, within the church, you know? Yeah, I do think that there's a balance between having some things private and then not sharing wisdom yeah right because Mm -hmm. like for instance before we got married i called married couples i knew and i called divorced couples i knew and i asked them both to give me their best advice because you can learn what not to do just as much as you can learn what to do you know and everybody's relationship is different Mm-hmm. I'm glad because there's a lot of people who think you can't get advice from certain people, but I disagree. Anywho, with that, people were willing to share, you know, but it was the divorce people that shared more, I feel like, well-rounded information, you know, like they would give on both sides, whereas the married couples were only talking about the positive side. I think it's important to share that, yeah, not everything is going to be great, but put forth the effort, put forth the work, continue to move in love and talk in love and act in love, and you'll be able to work it out, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, personally, I got I feel like I got better advice from divorced couples than I did from married couples because the married couples were playing it real close to the chest. And that goes back to the topic. Mm-hmm. and there's nothing wrong with that but I just feel like when you have an opportunity to share wisdom share complete wisdom yeah, yeah. I mean or just share wisdom because if you're just giving I feel like there's a difference between advice and wisdom mm-hmm. you know advice is can be something that you read of right advice is don't run a red light mm-hmm. wisdom is don't run a red light and look for them little cameras on top of them. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You know, I'm not great with giving examples. But you know what I'm saying. I feel like wisdom is just more in depth, gives more of a complete picture, and comes from a place of experience where advice is something like you could read in a book. Or yeah. you could just, you know, what they used to say, you could read off a cracker jack box or something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, so it just feels less personal and less genuine, I guess is the word I'm looking for. Because it's just like, oh, yeah, communication versus checking in with each other, doing, you know, learning love languages, learning about like what we're doing here, mm-hmm. you know, not to toot our own horn, just saying. No, I agree. Wisdom is like, for me, kind of like giving up the game. Right. And, uh, like, I really want you to avoid these pitfalls. So this, I'm going to share this whole picture. Yeah. You know, whereas some people are just like, oh, yeah, you'll be fine. Just keep going. 
they don't tell you about the 511 potholes that you're going to encounter. Whereas the person who's trying to give you wisdom is like, there's going to be a lot of potholes, so make sure you're paying attention to where you're walking and wear these boots and maybe some knee pads because you will fall, (laughs) you know? And giving wisdom on relationships doesn't mean that you have to tell every intense detail about what's happening in your relationship. It just means give an honest picture, I think. Yep. (laughs) No, yeah, I agree. And I think that's where people who play it real close to the chest don't have a good concept of because they feel like in order to give you wisdom, they have to tell you all their business. And that's not the truth at all. Mm-hmm. You know, the divorced couples that spoke wisdom to me did not tell me all their business and not give me all the woes of their divorce. They just gave me really well-rounded advice. You know, they didn't sugarcoat. Anything else on that? No. Cool. Number once. All right. <laughs> Happily ever after is a work in progress. That's what I was thinking you was going to say. Don't be acting like you know me. No, nah, that reminds me of, um, you know, all the movies we saw growing up, like the Disney movies, how the princess always lived happily ever after. But you never actually got to see what happily ever after was. You just assumed that from then forth, life was perfect. But even in that context, what does perfect look like for them, you know? What is happily ever after? We, and that I feel like that kind of set us up for failure because we kind of assume, well, after you do the hard work of getting through the traps and pitfalls of trying to find someone to be with and marrying, then everything's going to be great after that. Then you get married and you realize, oh, snap, we're still two people that are complete individuals trying to create this relationship that's completely new for us. How does this work? And what is happiness going to look like for us? So I think it's, I mean, this, everything that we're talking about is kind of a lead up to this, in my opinion. Because all these things help to create your happily ever after, however that looks for you and your spouse, you know? Yeah, I think some good old Disney movies are definitely a trap. (laughs) (laughs) For real, though, a real big trap. Because leave Mulan out of this. Anywho, because what it does is it gives you this fairy tale of how you're supposed to be like swooned or saved or whisked off your feet or whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. And then, like you said, after that, it's just curtains closed. You don't see what happens next, you don't see the regular life. Not only was it in my opinion, detrimental for little girls watching that. It was also detrimental for little boys because now they just know they have to woo you till they actually get you. And once they get you, now what? They don't even know what to do. That's like when we talk about patriarchy and how it's negative for men and women, we usually only talk about how it's abusive towards women. But we don't talk about how it hurts men and damaging the men. Because it creates toxic masculinity mm-hmm. and it creates incomplete men that aren't able to share their emotions. They're unable to, you know, say I love you or create rich relationships with friends because they can't communicate with friends completely, you know. So it's the same thing within relationships, I feel like. Yeah, I think another part of this is happily ever after is a work in progress. It means you have to work at it. Yeah, And a lot of times people feel like, well, if this was real love, if we're supposed to be together, stay together, we shouldn't have to work. It should just happen or it should be easier than this. Yeah. Nothing that has been. Look, the devil is a liar. Nothing that's been worthwhile in my life has been that easy to maintain. First of all, if that ain't a whole word, okay, I have had to work for everything, everything. <laughs> And I, I consider myself blessed. I consider myself fortunate. I consider myself favored. But boy, when I tell you, I have had to work and fight for a lot of things. That just ain't my life. <laughs> I guess there's some people 
who don't have to work and fight for everything. But when you are bringing two separate people together who were under separate households and were raised as separate individuals, you are going to have to put in work to come together as one unit. You do not become one as soon as you say I do. You are seen as one under God if you're a Christian, but you do not become one immediately. That is a process. Yeah. Almost, I kind of look at it as like a pruning. Does that make sense? Sure. When I think of pruning, I don't think of something becoming one, but I understand where you're going. Well, the individuals are being pruned. I think of it as a pruning because when I look at relationships, any healthy relationships, romantic or not, it's really a mirror. It's an honest mirror that shows you all the flaws in addition to all the good things. Mm. When you look at those, it's your opportunity to see yourself for who you truly are and put some work into the areas that you want to improve upon. Mm -hmm. And so when you're pruning, you're pruning to grow stronger. You have to cut things back, cut things off in order to become that healthier thing that you want. And so that's why I was talking about pruning. I get it. And that doesn't mean that things in your relationship aren't going to come easy. Just because a relationship is work doesn't mean things can't be easy. Like we said, our friendship came supernatural to us. You know, us being able to spend time together and have fun came supernatural. But we still had lots of other stuff that we had to work at and are still working at. It's just like being an athlete or being a playing a sport. Like you could be naturally gifted in a sport, but if you just rest on the laurels of being naturally gifted, you're not going to reach that high level or the level that you should have reached, you know? So a bunch of athletes out there that can't play the sport like they want to or should be able to. I use sports analogies. When you said that, it made me think of to reach that upper level. (laughs) 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 Oh, God. Anywho, I'm not going to finish the song. Uh I absolutely agree. I mean, nothing's wrong with sports analogies. It makes sense. And I mean, that's with anything in life, right? Because, for instance, if you're an entrepreneur, you may be naturally gifted at selling things, mm-hmm. but you may be terrible on the back end, Yeah, you know? And so there's always going to be something, even if it's a passion of yours, even if it's your calling, there's always going to be something within that that you're going to have to work on, that you're going to have to strengthen, because that's just a part of being a better person. And so the people who are putting our lives that are closest to us are there to help us to become better people, which means they're going to have to show you some stuff that you may not like about yourself. But you got to be open to that because happily ever after is a work in progress. Let that not just be a happily ever after in your relationship. Let that be a happily ever after for you. If you don't work on yourself, if you're not willing to become the best version of you that you can be, which means owning up to the not so pretty parts of you, then you're not going to have a fulfilling life. It's just not going to be what you want it to be. It's not going to be what you know it could be. And that's not saying that you have to be perfect because nobody's perfect, but just put the work in. The closest thing that we can have to perfection, in my opinion, is striving to be the best people we can be every day. As long as you're doing that for yourself as an individual and in your relationship. Then at the end of the day, you can wipe your hands and say that you've done the best you can do. Absolutely. Number 12. You ready? Mm-hmm. Take time for yourself. Yeah. I feel like we already touched on this a little bit. Mm-hmm. But it's really important to feed the individual as well as the couple. Yeah, take time for yourself. Be okay with spending time with yourself and be okay with allowing your spouse or partner to spend time with themselves. It's only going to be better for you. Now, if you're out there spending time for yourself doing stuff you don't need to be doing, that's different. But Facts. Don't be doing stuff that's going to mess up your relationship. Yeah, don't take one of them trips where you come back with secrets and skeletons because you needed you time. Or 
diseases that ain't so secret. Yeah. Just had to be said. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think that was pretty self-explanatory. I mean, you may need to, in taking you time, again, you may need to find the things that are important and fun to you or the things that feed you or the things that help you relieve stress. But, I mean, that's part of the fun of, that's part of the adventure of your time is really defining what it means for you. Those were our 12. We hope that you like them. I actually have a bonus one, though. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. The bonus is intimacy is important. Yes. (laughs) That's all you got to say. (laughs) I don't know. You're going to break down what intimacy is. So intimacy to me is closeness between two people. So that can look like different things. It can be emotionally, intellectually, spiritually, physically. Like, there's a lot of different things it can be. Because intimacy related to vulnerability. I would believe so. So you know how they say the into me see as like the definition? I've never heard that. Are you serious? Into me see? I am dead serious. (laughs) Yeah, so you know how um, people have like a quick way that they remember what things mean. For intimacy, they say it's into me see. You get it? Absolutely not. Into me see. Like you're seeing into me. That is essentially the definition of intimacy. Oh, I was thinking of it like the like the old gangster movies. Into me see. What? What is, that? <laughs> what is that? I have no idea what you're talking about right now. You don't remember? I don't remember it, but the guy would be like, Yeah, see? I'm gonna go around the bank. Yeah, see? That's <laughs> <laughs> like, why, why is intimacy like being a gangster? <laughs> into me, see? <laughs> you gotta be into me. <laughs> Self, 
even in the parts that you may be uncomfortable with, you know? Mm-hmm. But still kind of feels like, I guess vulnerability is a big part of it, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think if you can be vulnerable, that'll help you with it, obviously. But yeah, I think I get what you're doing. Yeah, and I mean, I think that leads into the whole, like, your inner circle essentially being mirrors, mm-hmm. you know? And so I think that in order for somebody to be a mirror, they have to be able to see who you really are. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sounds good. Cool. You like my bonus? Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to close out this section with a question. What are some of your current marriage goals? We've done 12 lessons in 12 years. What are some goals or some things you're looking forward to for the next 12? Um, I think one of my major goals is just for us to be healthier, you know, emotionally, physically, spiritually. I think we've both got like some physical things we want to get better with. I mm. think we both probably need to get better with treating ourselves better you know and Mm -hmm. um, as we grow in those areas it'll just continue to help us in our relationship and it'll be cool for us to lean on each other as we grow in those areas so I think health is really important for our next 12 years I think continuing to do the work of being friends and focusing on us as husband and wife because with us having kids sometimes we put the parent hat on and forget to take it off you know not Mm -hmm. that we stop being parents but that we set it aside so we can dwell as uh, husband and wife so I think health and continuing to do the work I don't really have like a goal for somewhere I want us to be per se I just want us to continue to work to be better I think that's what's most important for me in the next 12 years sounds good what about you I got goals I mean, you're goal-oriented. <laughs> I agree with you with wanting to be healthier, uh, be happier with our health, and I would like us to have more balance as well with parenting and being a couple because we do way more parenting than couple things. But I want your writing to take off. I want us to both be working in our passion. I think that'll also be beneficial to us and our family and our relationship. I want us to have financial freedom. I want us to be living in our forever home and have the ability to travel and connect with loved ones and also go to places we haven't been before you know I would like to spiritually connect with my ancestors I would like to travel to the countries that ancestry says I'm from (laughs) that could change tomorrow it it could absolutely change tomorrow but what I've noticed is what changed most is really the percentages yeah you know so getting more nigerian every day i'm actually more molly really yeah my nigerian keep going up and up and up yeah but yeah i would like for us to be able to do stuff like that to have the financial freedom to where we can be like let's go to all the countries that are on our ancestry dna i know i got like 15 so yeah (laughs) but a few of them are actually here in the americas so Stuff like that, you know, I want us to be able to expand our entrepreneurship journey together. That's something that I would like for us to do. I think that would be a dream of mine for us to actually have a side business or a small business that we're doing together. Oh, and in the next 12 years, we got to have our renewal. So those are my goals. Oh, that sounds great. Do you think marriages have legacies? Yeah, I think so. I mean, the easiest answer would be if you have kids that, you know, technically what I I would assume most people think of as a legacy. But when I think of legacy, I think of how you impact the world around you. So in that sense, I think all marriages have legacies, whether you have kids or not, you know, because you're going to have an influence on the people around you. You're going to have an influence on 
Yeah, the world, you know, like the way that you love each other and the way you carry that love out into the world and the way you guys act in the world is going to influence people from this point until the end of time because it's all like a ripple in a pond that continues to go out. Hmm. So whether that legacy is, you know, completely cemented and talked about like, you know, there was some book written about you or some movie or legacy in that traditional sense. I think even if nobody remembers your name, but, you know, that time you guys sat down and talked to another couple and that couple went on to be happily married, which led them to have kids that were raised in a home full of love. And then that kid had another kid who someday became president. Like, it's impossible not to have a legacy, whether it's known or unknown. So I completely think that they do. That's a great answer. I agree with you. Cool. <laughs> and on that note, let's go to our weekly segment. <laughs> Do you remember the song that you made up? Nope. (laughs) (laughs) Weekly segment. It's time for the weekly segment. Ow. (laughs) Okay, so first up is our encouragement challenge. Do you have a challenge for the ASW family? My encouragement challenge would be for you to look up your love language. That's a good one. If you know it, you know Look it up again, see if it's changed, or see what, see if the specifics of it have changed. And if you have no idea what it is, time to find out. And I'm going to add to look up your apology language, too. Because there's also a quiz for that. Oh, yeah, that too. Okay, next we have this week's Beacon of Encouragement. I'm interested to see what your response is going to be. The suspense is killing me. (laughs) It sounds like it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this week, we are celebrating Ruby D and Ossie Davis. Oh, I see what you did there. <laughs> you want to give the backstory? Sure. When we first met, that was kind of our relationship goals. <laughs> Before we realized relationship goals was a really bad idea. <laughs> but no, like they were... In our eyes, like, one of the pinnacles of black love and healthy relationships, you know. You know, later on, we found out that they also had their own rough spots that we didn't want to, uh, that we didn't want to copy. But I think we were appreciative that, um, Ruby D and Ozzy Davis also took the time to be open about those rough spots, you know. I think that's that wisdom that you were talking about. Right. So, although they're both now gone on, I think they were... <clears throat> For us, one of the early, like, kind of foundational points in our relationship, kind of oddly enough. Yeah, I think we just really admire them. Luke used to call me Ruby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would call him Aussie. Yeah, I mean, you summed it up pretty well, actually. I didn't doubt that you would, but. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's a lot because they're such a, they're so foundational. Right. They're so, like, they're them as individuals and them as a couple takes up so much space right you know so it's hard to kind of encapsulate them in just a little but um with their careers with the work that they did in civil rights like we looked up to them not just for the fact that they were a black couple that had been married a long time and mm-hmm. obviously still enjoyed each other's company mm-hmm. but we looked up to them because they were so pivotal in the society period yeah. right they were a staple and they use their platform to help to move the line you know to push for equality to have those uncomfortable conversations yeah you know and they did so eloquently and so i think that's a lot of why we looked up to them and do look up to them their marriage was beautiful because you could tell that they truly loved each other you know after all these years truly enjoyed each other's company but also because they were truly I want to say better together in a sense of the work and the influence that they had. Mm-hmm. They were able to do so much together as a couple in addition to what they did individually. And I just really look up to them and think that they are truly a beacon of encouragement in our world. That is a marriage whose legacy will continue for, I pray, forever. 
I think we say all that to say thank you. Ruby D and Asa Davis for all that you guys did for us and for the world. So I said Beacon of Encouragement nominations. Remember, Beacon of Encouragement is anyone that has encouraged you or influenced you positively in your life. So it's time that they get a spotlight. So let's give them one, okay? Shine on. So, so send your nominations to www.antithesisofsuperwoman.com. And now to the encouragement quote. The encouragement quote is, Remember that creating a successful marriage is like farming. You have to start over again every morning by H. Jackson Brown Jr. And with that, I want to thank you all for joining me on this episode where we talked about 12 lessons in 12 years, part two. So we went over the last six and a bonus. Yep. I am also grateful that you guys are rocking with me here as we grow on this journey of living our best lives without the cape. As always, please know that I do not take it for granted. If you enjoy spending time with me and my wonderful husband slash guest, Luke, talking about love, essentially, then join the Encouragement Fam. We're here with open arms. Like, subscribe, follow, rate, review, share with a friend, all that good stuff. You can find us where all podcasts are found, like Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Talk about you. Which one? Google Podcasts. Oh, okay. Look at you. Thank you. Anytime. (laughs) Can't wait to meet you all here next week for an all-new episode that you will not want to miss. Luke? Yes? Please tell the people where they can find you on the socials. Uh, Instagram and more primarily Twitter, at Lucius Wright. Care to spell that for all the people who can't spell Lucius? Ampersand. L-U-C-I-O-U-S Writes W-R-I-T-E-S That's it. (laughs) Okay. Love you. Love you too. Happy 12 years. Happy 12 years, babe. (laughs) He's so silly. (laughs) Please make sure to follow him on those platforms that he mentioned. ASW family, if you have encouragement topics you want me to discuss, a beacon of encouragement that you want to nominate, or questions that you want answered, feel free to let me know by visiting my website at www.antithesisofsuperwoman.com. If you have Instagram, follow me at antithesis underscore of underscore superwoman. And check me out on my Facebook page, The Antithesis of Superwoman. And join my Facebook group, y'all, The Antithesis of Superwoman Encouragement Collective. Talk to you next week. And remember, no cape, no cap. Bye.